Hey, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbong. Even under the best of circumstances, migration often involves a separation of sorts. Almost by definition, when someone leaves, someone else gets left behind. And that's just the deal you make when you choose to migrate. But when family separation happens at the border, it's a completely different ballgame. Efren Olivares is an immigration lawyer who represented families who were separated under former President Trump's zero-tolerance immigration policy. And his book, My Boy Will Die of Sorrow, is a first-hand account of his time at the border as all of this was going down. And he told here and now's Deepa Fernandez that what he wanted to accomplish with this book was something more complex than regular reporting could offer. And nothing exemplifies that more than the story of him running into an immigration agent at the gym of all places. That's in a minute. This message comes from Apple Card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase. That's 3% on products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. It's been more than four years since the Trump administration's zero-tolerance policy that separated children from parents who were crossing the border without documentation. We remember the reports of crowds of children, some as young as six months old, fenced in, crying for their parents. Around 5,000 families were separated, and the ACLU says about 1,000 still remain apart. Our next guest watched the separations unfold. He's a lawyer who represented the families. He writes about what he saw and his own immigration story in the book My Boy Will Die of Sorrow, a memoir of immigration from the front lines. It was recently awarded a 2023 International Latino Book Award. And Efren Olivares, the author, is also the Deputy Legal Director of the Southern Poverty Law Center's Immigrant Justice Project. And he joins us now. Efren, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be here. So take us back to the summer of 2018, Efren. You ended up representing hundreds of immigrant families who were separated When did you realize the separations were happening and how? It was in the second half of May 2018 when I was contacted by a public defender recounting what she was seeing. Her clients who were being charged under this new policy knew nothing about their children, had been separated from them, and asked me if I could come and interview the parents and see if we could find their children. And at first I couldn't believe it until the very next morning when I walked into that federal courthouse in McAllen, Texas, and and talked to the parents themselves. And they they broke down crying in front of me, recounting what had happened and how little, if any, information they, they had about the whereabouts of their children. And that first kind of encounter in the court with parents turned into days and weeks of the same thing, where more and more parents would show up. You know, the title of... Your book, My Boy Will Die of Sorrow, comes from something a father named Lionel told you. He'd been separated from his son, and you asked him what will happen if he were to be deported and his son didn't go with him. Tell us what he told you. A lot of the parents had been led to believe that they would see their children again that afternoon after going to the court for their hearing. And it fell upon me and Georgina, our paralegal, to break the news to them that, in fact, they were 
probably not going to be at the Border Patrol station. And we did not know where they were or whether they might see them again. Those were some of the most difficult conversations I've ever had in my life, certainly as a lawyer. And one of those parents, Leonel, I was filling out the intake form. And as part of filling out the narrative, I asked them precisely that. That was our greatest fear at the time, right? That parents would be deported without their kids. And then the kids would end up in foster care, lost in the bureaucracy, right? Mm. And the parents are deported to Guatemala and, and it would be very hard to find them. So I asked them, what do you think would happen if you were deported and your son stays here? And he simply looked down for a second. And then when he looked up and, and looked me in the eye, he said, no, pues, mi niño se muere de tristeza. My boy will die of sorrow. And that ended up becoming the title of the book because it's so, uh, I find it so powerful and also meaningful that it is the voice of one of the directly impacted parents by this atrocious policy. You know, Efren, I also found it really powerful you're telling this this story of, of these parents separated from their children and you intertwine it with your own family's story. You know, we learn about you as a child in Mexico, your father emigrated to McAllen, Texas to find a job. And he was not in your daily life for four years. I wonder how that experience made you think about the family separations that you were kind of experiencing in real time without officially knowing that this was what the government was doing. Yeah, you know, I never connected the dots that summer. I hadn't thought of my own experience being apart from my father for four years as in any way similar to what my clients were going through. I was nine years old when my dad left, and, and then I would see him a week and a month or so. It was only with the passage of the years, and now as an adult and thinking back on it, that I have begun to appreciate the impact that it had, um, not having my dad around at the dinner table every night or for school functions or medical emergencies, and how that shaped who I've become as an adult, as a lawyer, as an advocate. And, you know, it's remarkable how common this separation is in the immigrant experience. Migrating involves some kind of separation because you're separating yourself from your home and oftentimes close family members. And since the book came out, countless people have reached out to me sharing how actually something that happened to them was also a separation and they ha hadn't thought about it in those terms. So it is, I, I am convinced, an integral part of what it means to be an immigrant in this country. And in your case, you all eventually joined your father in McAllen. He was working as a bus driver and custodian. Your mother worked sewing at a Dickies factory. But your family kind of crossing the border goes back to your grandparents. They were, they were farm workers and then your grandfather was born on the U.S. side of the border. What does your family's story tell you about how much U.S. immigration law has changed over the generations? It is profound how much immigration law has changed. As you were saying, my great-grandparents were farm workers and my grandfather was born on the U.S. side of the border in 1902 when there was no border patrol. There was basically no immigration law, right? And, and what I think that shows is how human it is to migrate. Human beings mm -hmm. have been moving across the earth in search of safety or opportunity. And no matter what laws we change or we impose, it's a, it's a human endeavor. And Efren, you write about one man who was separated from his daughter, Mario. He came to the U.S. and, 
and was tricked into saying his daughter was not his. And then there was, you know, this really big move to prosecute him for for almost kidnapping. And then finally, a DNA test proved that she was his daughter and they were eventually reunited. But this case also, I wonder what it tells you about the policy of family separation. I think Mario's case, Deepa, in in so many ways encapsulates everything that is dysfunctional about our immigration system. He's an indigenous language speaker from Guatemala, and he wasn't provided an interpreter. And then he was pressured in a language that he did not fully understand. He was told time and again, tell me she's not your daughter and I will help you. And in that desperate situation, after traveling for weeks on foot from Guatemala, he, he finally broke, right, and, and said that she was not his daughter, even though she very much was. And he had a birth certificate with him, right? And then it took a team of lawyers over a month and a DNA, DNA test to bring them back together so that the power and discretion that rests in the hands of agents to upend someone's life is remarkable. Uh, it's not a system meant to protect. It's a system meant to exclude. And it especially excludes immigrants of certain countries, immigrants whose skin is a certain shade of dark. It's remarkable. At one point in your book, Efren, you, in the middle of like the, the Texas heat working this summer to try and figure out what's going on to get families reunited, you go to work out at your local gym and you recognize somebody and it turns out that that is one of the immigration agents. He's actually a director or a boss in doing these family separations. You know, and he was there with his daughter and he they were working out together. That must have been a really confusing or complicated thing for you to process. That experience really uh, exemplifies, I think, the complexities of, of the border, right? Where you have, in this case, an advocate and the sector chief in the same gym class working together mm-hmm. and then at night on the evening news giving completely different versions of what is happening. But I think that complexity and that nuance does show that the border is much more complicated than is portrayed most of the time. It is families who live on both sides of the border who have complicated histories. And in fact, Padilla's own family, Manny Padilla, sector chief, he probably is a child of immigrants himself, right? So it's complicated histories. But I think that is what sometimes doesn't make it into the... the daily reports when it comes to immigration and the border. Are you still in touch with any of the families who were separated? And and what kind of long-term impact has there been on them? I am in touch with some of them, a handful that are portrayed in the book. They're still struggling. Some of them don't have immigration status fully resolved. Their cases are still pending. But the trauma that they were subjected to by our government uh, will have lifelong impacts. I hope that some of them will one day write their own books so that we can fully appreciate the human suffering that this policy caused. And I just want to end by talking about you. You were the first in your family to go to college. We learned this reading the book. And you decide to pursue law. Now, immigration law, immigration lawyers, this is not glamorous work. It's not well paid like other areas of law. And you, you're deep in the lives of your clients who have traumatic and, and tragic stories. It's such a hard and often thankless job. I'd love to know what keeps you going, Efren. You know, what kept you going in the face of so many families being separated and knowing it was going to be impossible to help them all? It's hard. 
it's emotionally taxing, it's physically taxing. But what keeps me going is my clients. If they can have the resiliency to keep going, to keep working, fighting, walking forward for themselves and their families, I certainly can be there by their side. Efren Olivares is author of My Boy Will Die of Sorrow, a memoir of immigration from the front lines. He's also the deputy legal director of the Southern Poverty Law Center's Immigrant Justice Project. Thank you so much, Efren, for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you so much. This is a message from This Is History with Dan Jones. Let renowned historian Dan Jones guide you through a landscape of rivalry, treachery, and murder, bringing to life the epic struggles of Henry and Edward. Listen to This Is History, Season 4, now on your favorite podcast platform. Support for NPR and the following message come from Rosetta Stone, the perfect app to achieve your language learning goals no matter how busy your schedule gets. It's designed to maximize study time with immersive 10-minute lessons and audio practice for your commute. Plus, tailor your learning plan for specific objectives like travel. Get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off and unlimited access to 25 language courses. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXLLearning.com.